lore. Maybe that's like why people are so hooked on true crime, because it's just like the deviance of people. Yeah, I don't know. I, I found when I was researching this stuff that I was like reading the details and I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. Yeah. For this one, I was like, no, no, no. But then when I got to the part of like them trying to figure out who it was, that's when I thought it was interesting. Yeah. It's the, um, it's all the stuff that comes before that that's hard to swallow. I don't yeah. know how homicide detectives do it, honestly. Oh, yeah. I mean, walking in and seeing, like, crime scenes like that over and over and over again. Yeah. I mean, it's got to do something to you. I don't know how you just go home and, like, make mac and cheese after that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I don't know. Like, some of these are just, like, absolutely horrific to think about. Yep. Including these ones that I found here. Uh-oh. Sorry. This is, like, when I misunderstood the assignment, like, when we did, like, urban legends and I was talking about child killers. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, and then he put cyanide in his kid's candy, and then they died. <laughs> so, I was like, hey, this is cool. It's local. Rochester, New York. What? Yeah. There's an unsolved serial killer from Rochester. Yes. All right. I'm interested. The alphabet killer. Between 1971 and 1973. Wow, super isolated. So, yeah, it's a tight time span there. Yeah. Three victims. I was going to say only three victims, but it's pretty bad. So, they were all little girls. Ugh. Ages 10 and 11. And the reason they call this guy the alphabet killer is because their first name and last name both started with the same letter. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. So, he obviously knew who they were. That's too much of a coincidence. I don't know. There's, uh, at the end of the investigation, everyone pretty much agrees that it is a coincidence. Really? Yeah, because they think that... If, Three victims, all around the same age, and their first names and last names started with the same letters. Yeah. Okay. It is weird, but, like, investigators think it, it's it'd be too obvious if, like, this guy did that much research... Because then he'd have to stalk these victims and wait for, like, an opportunity. Because when I get into the details about how he killed them, if I can, um, <laughs> he, uh, he'd have to, like, it would, it would increase his risk of being caught while doing it. Because he'd have to be stalking these people for okay. however long before he found the right moment to kill them. So a lot of people don't think that that was something that motivated him to do it. So just a weird coincidence. Just a weird coincidence. Okay. And there's other weird coincidences, too, between the victims. So the first one was uh, Carmen Kalan, 10-year-old girl. And she was um, last seen at a pharmacy picking up a prescription for her grandmother. And she was seen entering a parked car outside of the store. Uh, witnesses... Later on, like a few hours later, saw her running down Interstate 490. And there was a car that was going in reverse to go and get her. Uh, she was later then seen being led back to the car by the abductor. Was it a white van? No. <laughs> I don't think there was details at this point as to what the car was. The next two, there are witnesses that see what the vehicle was. Uh, and then two days later, her body was found in a gully near the interstate. She was strangled to death. There were scratches on her body, and she was sexually assaulted. 
Ten years old. Ten years old. Trying to get away. And no one stopped her. No, stopped for her. Kind of reminds me of, like, Dahmer. Yeah, and he was sloppy. Yeah. Yeah. Almost let her get away. This guy seemed pretty sloppy, too. Like, I can't believe he wasn't caught. Like, you'll see in one of these other ones, too, he's like... I don't know. Well, maybe he was caught. We'll get to it. Okay. So, second victim was April 2nd, 1973. So, this was sometime later. Uh, this is 11-year-old Wanda Walkowitz. So, again, double letters. Um, she was picking up groceries and walking home alone. Uh, several people witnessed her walking home alone that night, and she was struggling to carry the big bag of groceries that she had. Uh, her body was found the next morning by a police officer near State Route 104 in Webster, New York, which is on the outskirts of Rochester, if you know the area. Um, she was same same deal, killed the same way, in the same manner, strangled to death. Um, there was also traces of white cat fur found on her body, despite the fact that her family didn't have a cat. Mm-hmm. And there was also other DNA evidence found on her body. Um, so, this was the seventies, though early seventies. Right. So nothing. Yeah. What are they going to do with nothing. it? Nothing. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so at this point, they opened up a tip line in Rochester, and there were witnesses that say that they saw Wanda being forced into a brown or light color, light colored car, the evening she went missing. So now they have, a, like, a description of the vehicle. But this was the 70s. I feel like everything was shit brown. And right. Yeah. <laughs> it was, like... Probably blended in, looked pretty normal. Yeah. Yep. At the time, it, it probably did. So initially, police say that there was no connection between the two murders. Just crime of opportunity. Yeah. So they're not thinking that these two are connected in any way yet. Even though they're same type of victim, same exact way that they were killed. It's like, how many people have to be mm-hmm. killed before you say it's a serial killer? Well, apparently three in this case. Then uh, November 26th, that same year, 1973, it was 11-year-old Michelle Manza. She went missing after not coming home from school one night. Uh, witnesses last saw her leaving school in the direction of a shopping plaza because she was going there to retrieve her mother's purse that had been left there the previous day. Uh, another witness saw her about 10 minutes later in a tan or beige vehicle. So same car. And it was speeding away and they saw her in the vehicle crying. Uh, a few hours later, and this is why I'm like, how did this guy not get caught? A few hours later, a motorist saw the same car on the side of the road on Route 350 with a flat tire. There was a man who had a girl with him and the witness after the fact, believe that it was this final victim, Michelle Menza. Um, so the motorist stopped to see if uh, he could offer help to this oh guy. Oh my god, are you kidding me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he stopped to see if he could help him. And the man refused. And he kind of like hid the girl behind him to like hide her and keep her quiet. And the the motorist that stopped said that he had such a menacing expression that he felt compelled to drive away. So he left. And that was that. Oh my god. I'm sure this was before it got out that she was missing. Right. I would hope anyway. Um, So two days later her body was found in a ditch 15 miles outside of Rochester. And she was killed the same exact way as the previous two. And also found with white strands of cat fur on her. So same car, same cat fur, same killings. 
So now they're like, okay. Now we have a serial killer. Yep. So witnesses saw Michelle with a white male between the ages of 25 and 35 with dark, dark hair and weighing about 165 pounds. So they have a description of him at this point. Um, and they finally started treating it as connected. But that was the last victim. So there was no more killings. Um, but there are similarities. So the first being the day that all three victims were abducted. It was raining. It was like either lightly or heavily raining and dark. All girl, all three of the girls had few friends and experienced issues such as bullying or academic issues at school. So that's why investigators were kind of like, it could possibly be like someone involved. Oh, like maybe somebody like who a knew social them. or like a janitor or something. Yeah, something like that. Somebody who knew. Yeah, that was a possibility, but it never. Really or the lived. girls might have known. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they don't believe back then and to this day they don't believe that the same letters were why they were chosen because it would have likely required quite a bit of stalking to wait for the right moment to abduct the girls which would have greatly increased the chance of being caught well he sounds like he was super sloppy to begin with yeah exactly so if he was stalking them like what are the chances yeah somebody would have realized caught at this during this right mm-hmm so there's three big suspects. So okay. they did start to narrow it down on this one. The first one was a guy named Kenneth Bianchi. And he worked as an ice cream vendor in Rochester during the times of the murders and drove a car that matched the description of the one that was seen. In 1976, he moved to L.A. And he then... With, along with his cousin in L.A., killed ten girls, and they became known as the Hillside Stranglers. What? Yeah. That's crazy. So that's why they were like, wait a minute. He was in Rochester at the time as an ice cream vendor. Oh, that's nuts. So they tried to, like, make the connection there. Yeah. He denied any involvement in that. Which is weird for a serial and killer. those killings, yeah. Because normally... The more notoriety. It's like you got convicted of killing 10 girls as it is in L.A., you know, to deny How do you go from being an ice cream vendor to being a serial killer? That seems like a very logical next step to me. I don't know. So (laughs) crazy. Look at John Wayne Gacy, the clown. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. (laughs) Okay, so suspect number two. Suspect number two is a guy named Joseph Nasso. He was arrested in April of 2011 at the age of 77 for the murders of four women in California that had been committed between the years of 1977 and 1994. All of them were thought to be prostitutes. But the interesting thing is that all of the victims' names had the same first letter of the first name and the last name. Coincidental. Or not. I don't know. This was four victims that he he got. So the other connection is that he was originally a New York native and he lived in Rochester during the 1970s, the early 70s. But DNA testing has confirmed that he was not a match from DNA found in the 70s. So they still have the DNA. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. Because it wasn't all that long ago. So, so far they're over two. They exhumed the body. 
Ooh. One of the... Oh, wait. Really? Did they? Oh, one of the the uh, suspects they exhumed the body of to... Because Joseph Nasso, um, he was found guilty of those other murders. And he's on death row right now in California still. He's still alive. But DNA shows it's not a match. DNA says not a match for okay. him. Okay. All right. I don't know about this Kenneth Bianchi, but they never did DNA testing for him. Well, you would think that if they had the DNA, they would probably do it, especially if he was convicted of Yeah, he was the outside strangler, so... Yeah, so his DNA would be in the system. Yeah. So if it was a match, it would have... You would have thought it would have right. set off a bunch of red flags. So there's one more who I thought was very interesting... His name was Dennis Termini, and he was known as the Garage Rapist in Rochester between 1971 and 1973. Same exact time. Same time frame. Same area. And he was, uh, he raped 14 young women during that time in Rochester. He also owned a vehicle that matched the description of the one that witnesses saw two of the girls abducted him before their deaths. And five weeks after the death of the final victim, Termini tried to abduct a teenage girl at gunpoint. And she fled the scene, so she got away. And then he tried to, he actually did abduct another girl shortly after. But at this point, the police were on him, and they pursued him, chased him down and cornered him, and then he committed suicide by shooting himself in the head. So that's interesting. This was just a few weeks after the last victim died. Now he's dead. They searched his car, and they found traces of white cat fur Ugh. in his vehicle that also matched the description of yep of the one that was seen. So it sounds like it's him, except in 2007, they exhumed his body to run DNA tests, and they were not a match, hmm. which is crazy, because everything else sounds like, right. like the motive adds up, the car, the white cat fur. I mean, you got to wonder if, like, the DNA collected initially yeah what quality that was you know back in the 70s yeah and how good is it still like when they tested it in 2007 so you're talking what 40 years later right he seems the most logical though he does especially since everything stopped after he died yeah like weeks after yeah the white cat fur i think would be pretty telling that's a giant red flag to me yeah so i mean if i were to bet on any of them i would say it would be him but they're still saying it's open. It's an open unsolved. case still. It's still unsolved, technically. Alphabet killer. Alphabet killer. We would have known. <laughs> Again, we don't know because it's an unsolved right. serial killer case. Right. How would you know? You're never going to know. It's like, I don't know. And I feel but, like the ones from like the 70s and the 80s, it's like, seriously, how do you know? You yeah, know? you don't. But I thought there was just a thing about, like, they figured out who the Zodiac killer was. I don't think I heard about that one, but... I knew about gold, the... the... Golden State, they found out. I feel like it's only a matter of time before they find more, too. With all these... You know, ancestries and 23s and me's. Yeah. But if you know who the alphabet killer is, just like if you knew who the River City 
slash. Oh, he had so many names. I know. Yep. The Rocktown Ripper. Rocktown Ripper. Yep. Email us at parabubblepodcast at gmail.com after you tell the police. Of course. Of course. There's rewards. There probably is still. <laughs>